Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Scott D. Clary. How are you, Scott? I'm good, man. How are you? Excellent, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Nice to meet a fellow a fellow Canadian. <laughs> yes, same here, my friend. I'm glad that you do took the leap to Florida, you know, and you know, I hope you have some uh, a wonderful years coming up. Um, you know, the weather is nice all the time, right? It's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I've I've done my fair share of uh, shoveling the driveway at six in the yeah. morning so I can get to work. I've done yeah. it for, for many years. So I'm enjoying yeah. it. Right. I mean, this is, this will be, this will kind of, this will be my second Christmas. So like when we, when we first moved down, it was around October-ish. So this will be the second like yeah. Christmas holidays new year's um in florida and it's like it is very beautiful it gets hot in the summer though but you can't complain you have to pick one right you either have to complain about too cold in the winter or too hot in the summer so right now i'm (laughs) I'm picking the too hot in the summer yeah for sure 100 110 percent so would you mind kind of uh introducing yourself not your name obviously but what you do um and then we'll take it from there yeah sure so uh my my career has always been as an operator in a business, so working in a business as somebody uh, working in sales or marketing. So early on in my career, I was selling customers. I worked for a big telco, you know them, uh, Bell Canada, uh, moved to a smaller telco where I had up sales and marketing there. Um, after that, worked with a couple different startups in a couple different industries as a consultant, um, and then doubled down on one that I really liked as CRO or chief revenue officer, um, and helped grow that company, helped sell that company. Um, so that's sort of my professional career right now. I'm CEO of a nutraceutical company. So a company called on me patch, um, very big, a very, a very much a pivot from my tech background. Cause it's a, it's a CPG or consumer packaged goods company. And what the actual company does is we take any, anything you'd get in a supplement store. So anything in a vitamin shop or a GNC, and we can put it in a patch and we can, uh, we can allow that patch, just like a nicotine patch, you put on your skin. And then that active ingredient in that patch gets transferred from that patch through your skin into your bloodstream. So any, any medicine. To, it, 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 we haven't done every medicine because there's a lot of FDA red tape that you'd have to go through for any medicine. But yeah. in theory, yes. So in theory, you can put any oh, medicine cool. into a patch and it's a more effective delivery mechanism. Uh, basically, the actual science behind it is there's a certain molecular weight that can pass through your skin because the skin is the largest organ in the body. A lot of people don't know that, but this is why nicotine patches were effective. And there hasn't really been um, evolution in how we take supplements. I mean, you have powders, pills, gummies, uh, but ultimately there's a lot of filler and additives and a lot of stuff that's not great in that delivery mechanism. And then people with digestive problems definitely know this. So the goal of the company is to, of course, create some great consumer products. We have like an energy patch, a hangover patch, a sleep patch, all these things that people already are trying to solve for in their day to day. But ultimately, um, we're trying to advance how people take any sort of supplement or eventually, hopefully drugs. And that's the goal of the company. So that's the majority of my time. And then I, I, I podcast too, kind of like you. I, I built my own show oh, cool. and I love it a lot. But that's, if you want to talk about where I spend most of my day, it's, it's building this new startup on me patch from the ground up. Yeah, that's a pretty cool concept, you know, and, and I can, uh, I can imagine the FDA approvals, but what are your, what are your top three 
drugs that you're going after as long as you can speak about it in public well no so right now so no you're that's fine we'll talk about what we're doing right now so right now we're trying to do non-drug products right so products that don't require drug approval so what i mean by that is when we when we actually started the company there's sort of two paths you can take you can take the supplement path or you could go down the drug route like there's the drug route is a more expensive product to take to market because there is so much red tape to get things approved. So when we first took the product to market, we have 10 products, 10 SKUs, and there are a variety of things that are not drugs. So like an energy patch, you stick a patch on your skin, yeah. that's replacing like a coffee in the morning or a five hour energy. A hangover patch could be replacing something like a liquid IV. That's one of our products as well. So these things are all natural ingredients that allow for basically um like these these products already exist in the market in some capacity but they're all orally administered right so if you take a five-hour energy you take a caffeine pill you take a pre-workout you're going to get a pill or a powder or something from a supplement store we're putting right now we're putting those in patches so things that don't require drug approval but the evolution of the company i hope at one point we can we can provide this service and we can provide this um, delivery mechanism for not just supplements that we're doing right now, but also for drugs in the future. Because part of the reason why I joined this company as CEO and co-founder is because I do believe that transdermal is a more effective delivery mechanism for any type of active ingredient. If it can be administered transdermally, it's less stress on the body. There's less additives and fillers yeah. because it's just going directly into your bloodstream. So it's it's a better way to take virtually anything as long as that thing can be delivered through your skin and the the litmus test for whether or not that thing can be delivered through your skin is whether or not that thing uh falls below a certain molecular weight and if it's below a certain molecular weight that ingredient can pass through your skin or your dermis into your bloodstream with roughly about a 90 percent efficacy versus if you take a pill you're probably only getting about 30 percent of that active ingredient so to answer your question we have not scoped out drugs yet, but that's what I would love mm-hmm. to see the company do in the future because I believe in the technology and I believe that this is a, a, a better way to take any sort of drug or supplement. So that's, that's, our, that's our thesis, at least. No, no, that's, that's excellent. So this is a, a, a new innovation. Like this is, this is, no one else is doing this, right? Converting supplements into patches. There's a few, but not many. I mean, it's it's very much, in business terms, it's very much blue ocean. Maybe we have two competitors that are doing it right now, and nobody's mm-hmm. really doing it at scale. Like, there's no household name of patch brand right now. So I think that I think that the reason why is because it's a difficult business problem to solve. So nicotine mm-hmm. patches have been around for a while. So patch technology is not new. But when you think about starting a new business, you generally think about being a better product or maybe you want to be a little bit cheaper than the competitor. But what we have to do is we have to change a consumer's habits and behaviors, not just bring a better product or a replacement product or a product that's better marketed. We have to actually change how the person thinks about basically supplementing. So if you take a multivitamin, you don't think about when you when you think about going to Walmart to go buy some multivitamins, you don't think about taking a patch. You think about going to buy a Centrum or something like that. 
So we're not only taking a competitive product to market that would compete with, for example, if we have a multivitamin patch, that would compete with a Centrum multivitamin or a variety of other multivitamins. Not only do we have a competing product, but we also have to change the behaviors, uh, the behaviors and habits, excuse me, of individuals, which is a very difficult thing to do as a company. It's not easy to get somebody to do something that they've never done before. So I think that's why uh, this particular business has not been really done properly yet. And that's what we're hoping to do. So that's sort mm. of, I mean, you can't always put a, a finger on exactly why no one's done it yet, because mm. it's an effective delivery mechanism. The science uh, backs that up. But ultimately, I think that when you're trying to start a business, sometimes you look for low hanging fruit and you don't want to complicate it more than it has to be. But ultimately, where innovation and disruption comes from, it's when you do change habits and behaviors uh for the for the net positive of humanity, but ultimately it's a difficult thing to do. That's why a lot of people don't disrupt and don't innovate. They kind of just mm-hmm. take something to market in a slightly better fashion. Now, what we're trying mm-hmm. to do is not easy, but that's ultimately what got me excited about the company because if it was easy, yeah. then anybody could do it, right? That's where the, the potential yeah. lies in the fact that it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So for... The, the items that you mentioned, right, the list of, of supplements mm-hmm. and the patches, for example, the, the hangover patch, mm-hmm. um, which ones, I'm just curious, which one of these patches is the top seller? So two top sellers are hangover and energy. I knew so the it. energy patch, yeah. So like hangover, yeah. so hangover patch is, is directly competing with like the liquid IVs of the world. Um, you're taking that before you go out and you're, and what's cool about patch tech is that we can control the rate at which that active ingredient goes into your body. So we can slow it down. So if you put a patch on, for example, an energy patch or a hangover patch or any patch, um, that product will slowly enter your body over the course of eight to 12 hours. Meaning that we can oh, almost do like good. a drip feed of that active ingredient. It's not like a, if you took like a, if you take a five hour energy, you're going to feel that immediately, then you're probably going to hit a high and you're going to hit a low because it's going to probably like taper off after, well, you know, four or five hours. We can extend the life of the active ingredient for almost a full day if we want to. So that means that with a hangover patch, you can put that on before you go out drinking, you're going drinking, you get home, you don't think about anything. When you just go to bed, you wake up in the morning, you feel significantly better. You take an energy patch Amazing. in the morning, you put that on and you're not going to feel a slump. You're going to feel constant energy throughout your entire day. So Hmm. That that those two are extremely popular. Those are probably our best yeah. sellers for obvious reasons. I mean, um, yeah. yeah. So that's that's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting problem to solve, and it's also an interesting it's interesting to get these this this feedback from from our customers as well. It's like what problems do they do they rank as like that priority? <laughs> it's funny that hangover is just a problem that will never go away so it's a good market to sell into yeah. if you can cure someone's hangover yeah. always always a good product to have yeah and then energy right people yeah. want people want to always be operating at people want to be operating at 150 percent. people don't want slumps so i think that that's something that yeah. any product that helps somebody stay healthier or operate more efficiently that's a great product yeah well you know ladies and gentlemen in the audience i just got a business idea i don't know if you guys picked up on this buy a whole bunch of these uh, hangover patches stand in front of nightclubs and just sell them five bucks a pop (laughs) i'm not sure how much they cost but you probably make a lot of money if you if you were if you were standing in front of a nightclub actually it's funny when we're talking about you know taking this product to market 
you kind of think of all the different ways that you can take it to market and you can sell it to people. So when you take a, a CPG or consumer goods product to market, most people will immediately go direct to consumer. So you'll go Amazon and Shopify just because um, it's very easy to do. I mean, you can spin up a Shopify store over a weekend uh, if you have any sort of idea about how to run ads or you can find a ton of people that can do it for you, you can you can get you can get some revenue coming in the door almost immediately. And then the other way you take it to market usually would be going through retail, which is a little bit of a slower process because um, dealing with large retailers is not easy. Uh, you want to, you know, you want to put a little bit of pressure on them so that they feel like your product has basically enough traction in the market so that if they buy $50,000 worth of your product, it's actually going to sell out. They don't want it to sit on the stores. So there's a bit of a song and the dance you have to play there with retail, but ultimately it's usually direct to consumer and retail. But the, mm. the sort of the third door and what you just alluded to was the ability to go into almost like these different uh, nightclubs, hotels, Kiosk. resorts, whatever. And there's a great opportunity there if if the if it's a right fit for the customer. I mean, energy and hangover, you can be creative about how you sell that. You you don't always yeah, you have can to make go a, traditional routes. Yeah. Yeah. You can get one of those uh, machines, right? They just pop their credit card in and put and it, it in a out. vending machine. Had a nightclub machine. That'd be pretty damn good. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Actually. It's <laughs> yeah. not a bad idea. You know, you, you just make uh, uh, deals with different nightclubs and just have them in there. Nice, bright LED colors, you know, just make it like a big disco ball, whatever. I actually and love people it. People gravitate to it. Well, we're trying to do that. So, you know, it's funny when, so this is a good point. So this is a good conversation to have because when you're taking a product to market and you're building a company, you only have uh, limited time, limited resources, limited money. So then mm -hmm. the question becomes, okay, where do you spend that time and that energy and that money? Because that's a, your idea is a great idea, but what is probably a detriment to entrepreneurs is when they have too many of those quote unquote, great ideas. And then ultimately, they're spreading themselves too thin, they don't actually know what's working. Because if I'm trying to negotiate with retailers, that if I'm trying to uh, figure out my ad strategy and get positive ROAS on my on my Facebook and Google ads, and all and at the same time, I'm reaching out to nightclubs, all of a sudden, you get very diluted in your time and your energy mm. and your effort, and then almost nothing works, right? So those ideas mm. are good. But I do believe that when you when you take a product to market, even though there's a lot of things that could work, you always have to find the thing that works the best and then like triple mm -hmm. down on that until you yeah. have some money to play with. Because if not, then you're but just you going to spread yourself away right? too thin. You have to, yes, you do have to test. You 100% have to yeah. test. Yeah. That's a good idea yeah. though. It is a very good idea. Yeah. But, but what about, what about not you guys and um, partners, you know, have you ever mm -hmm. considered going that route, uh, you know, having uh, partnerships with, with, with people, I guess retail would be one of them, right? Yeah, retail is more of a defined sales channel than a partner per se, I would say partner yeah. would be somebody like a nightclub or like a hotel. Yeah, I mean, that maybe wouldn't have thought to bring your product in. But when you talk to them about or, it, or yeah, or a solopreneur, right? Like some guy yeah. that just wants to start a business. He comes, approaches you, says, you know, I want to give this a try. Would you be open yeah. to something like that? A thousand percent. And that does happen, okay. actually. That's Good. happening right now. So that, that's Get actually Get in touch something. with Scott, guys. <laughs> no it's a very good it's a very good point so sometimes you look for like business development opportunities that you don't have the time to pursue and somebody like listen 
I have this great idea. I have, I have yeah. a couple extra hours a week. I have, you know, I have, uh, I have these connections, whatever. I'm just going to take the product and I'm going to try to bring it into, uh, say hotels or say resorts or say nightclubs, whatever. And if it works awesome. And if not, it doesn't work, but yeah, that's, that's, yeah. A, that's something yeah. that people have approached me to do already. Um, and there's a yeah. few people that are, it's interesting when people approach you, sometimes they'll put 110% into it, but ultimately when it's not part of your core strategy, um, it's hard to give them the attention that they deserve. And ultimately, if they're not on payroll, I've never found that the results are that effective. Mm, I found that right. if somebody is just doing it as like, a, oh, in theory, it seems great. But then when I actually do it, it takes some time to build up some traction. And, you know, I've reached out to 100 nightclubs and I haven't gotten anywhere. And then the motivation yeah. kind of dies out. So mm. there's opportunity there. But it has to be the right person who wants to do it, who is super entrepreneurial themselves yeah. because they're not going to have a lot of hand which actually is the kind of person that you do want to hire full time in of a startup course. because that's the kind of person mm -hmm. that is going to just test out new things all the time. That's actually super, mm -hmm. super important for a startup hire because if you hire mm -hmm. somebody who is, it, it comes from actually the biggest detriment to a startup, in my opinion, is when you hire somebody who's worked in some of the largest organizations, because you think that, oh, they're coming from a big company, they're going to know what they're doing. But ultimately, when you work in a big company, there's so many processes and systems that are already in place, that I think it makes people very comfortable. And they go to a startup mm -hmm. where nothing's defined, and it's wild west, and everybody's just trying to figure it out. And it throws them for yeah. a loop. And it and it's putting them completely out of their comfort zone. So sometimes the best hires, in my opinion, at least, are people that are comfortable with that craziness, that wildness that comes with a startup that that is very, very different from working in like Fortune 500 big company. Mm. Oh, for sure. Really good point, Scott. Like that's, you know, that creativity and that openness to change and the drive and, uh, you know, all these things, it, it comes out of you when you go into a startup, when you're mm -hmm. accustomed to a specific type of business processes, procedures, you sometimes kind of lose that, you know, you get kind of caught up in, in, in those processes. I, I give you a very good example. I mean, when I, so yeah. I made a pivot in my career at one point from, from probably fortune 1000, if I'm not mistaken, to a company that was doing about $10 million in revenue. And when I was working for fortune 1000, I had an RFP department that yeah. if I got an RFP, I had people that finished the RFP for me. Like how yeah. nice, you had a whole team of people, right? You, That's that awesome. doesn't exist. <laughs> it, yeah. is, it is awesome. Yeah. but it doesn't exist when you go into smaller companies like it no. doesn't that stuff doesn't exist so you got to be okay no. doing all that stuff yourself which is why actually there's a certain kind of personality for a startup and i ultimately don't even recommend startups for everyone that i think that they're a great environment to learn and upskill yourself but ultimately you should be working in a startup for the skills you're going to accumulate over your career, yes. you're not working in a startup the experience. for the payout because very few startups make it and even fewer yeah. have a big pay. Even if you're the first 10 employees, you're not, you know, there's all these uh, stories of early employees that get equity and eventually there's an exit and they, you know, they have a couple million dollars in the bank. That's very rare. So if you're going to, if you're going to base your career on the chance of that happening, you're basically gambling. You are gambling mm -hmm. on a whole bunch of things that you cannot control. So mm -hmm. do it for the experience and then 
You can make a lot of money working for a lot of big companies, but I wouldn't do it repeatedly just for the payout because I think that mm. that's something that you can't control and it's just pure luck. Maybe you mm. have a good eye for startups, but ultimately there's a lot of luck involved in whether or not an early stage employee is actually going to get a big exit. And I don't think we should encourage mm. people to just risk their careers if that's what they're looking mm. for because you can really make mm. a ton of money. You can make a ton of money working for a big company. And I would even recommend mm. other ways to structure your career. I would say that it makes sense to go to a startup to learn different skill sets and then you can build something yourself on the side. You can monetize. Yeah. I think that's a really smart idea too. But I mean, if you have if if you're trying to achieve a certain, you know, level of comfort in your life and your income, I don't think working for repeated startups again and again and again is always the way to do it. Mm. I think that's a very high risk activity. Are, are you are you working on anything like your own business other than the startup? <laughs> well, I, I would say that the the podcast and the side hustle turned into the business, right? So it turned into yeah. something that I monetize and probably you're building an audience too and you're building a community too and you can monetize that. So yeah. I started building my podcast while I was still working, well, still while I'm still working for a company um, because yeah. I knew how to do all the things myself. And if I didn't know how to do them, yeah. I learned them. So I knew how mm. to you know, edit video, I knew how to edit audio, I knew how to code a website, I knew graphic design, I knew copywriting, I knew all the things so I could launch a, a company, basically myself. And then eventually, as it scaled over time, then I hired people to take care of a lot of the different pieces with it. But um, yeah, so I built that out while I was still working. So my extra time was committed to building out a community of people that loved hearing about business and startups and entrepreneurship and sales and marketing. And the podcast, uh, that grew, monetized that, build a newsletter um, from the podcast, grew that email list, now have a good following on social media because of all that. So, um, and that's something I can take with me in perpetuity because that's my own asset. And it's not yeah, a good product driven business, right? It's not like, um, yeah. like I'm selling a widget, but ultimately I'm monetizing an audience, which is a business itself. Yeah. And that's something I did on the side. Yeah. You put an extra maybe four or five hours a week into that. And that's something that yeah you'll keep with you forever. And if you ever want to start a business, you have an audience you can launch that business against. If you yeah. ever want, you could do anything with it, right? So yeah, yeah. so that's sort well, of the, no. yeah, that's the other thing I'm working on. Yeah, for sure. Like a podcast is a, is something that requires some time, requires mm -hmm. effort, and it requires a specific type of mindset because it can become, it can demotivate you because if you're not seeing, you know, things happen and that's why you see a lot of them um drop right i think it's 92 93 percent of new podcasts after the fifth episode they close down it's just because <laughs> yeah, exactly. it is big it is huge mm. right but to get to that point it it requires a lot of work a lot of promotion a lot of you know effort and time but once you have that audience once you have that engagement once you you see uh, you adding the value that is needed in a marketplace. You don't really need products or services because all those come to you. You just find the best ones that work well and tell your yeah. people about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's kind of sweet. When you build an audience, opportunities are limitless. I mean, I've been doing it for almost yeah. four years now. Um, yeah. And to your point, like now I can now advertise, you build an audience, like you build, yeah. they will come. Like <laughs> there's not yeah. many times that's the case, but, when you build an audience, that truly is the yes. case. Like advertisers will come. Yeah. People will, yes. if you don't think of your own products, if you don't have, I mean, like yeah. you look at what people monetize, they monetize courses, they monetize consulting, um, 
there's a few different ways you can monetize it outside of just advertising. Yeah. But uh, if not, somebody will offer to build a product for your audience because you already have one and then you can split the revenue on that. You yeah. can do affiliate commissions on products that are already great products that exist that you can sell into your audience. Like the, the opportunities yeah, are endless. so much. I mean, like how long have you been endless. doing yours? Like what was your, I guess, what uh, was your goal with uh, this? Uh, well, my goal is top 10. Good. As it should be. Yeah. It should so be top one. I'm, 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 I'm thinking big, but, um, and my goal is just to add value and, and, and meet wonderful people like you, you know, and build relationships. Yeah. I have built some of the most solid relationships through this podcast. Like the people that I don't know if I'll ever would get a chance. I don't know. To be honest, I spent my whole over 20 years in entrepreneurship. I'm not coming around people like I am nowadays than back then, right? It was just, I had to maybe go to a network event and it was, it's different, right? Because one, you know, I I get it. I totally get it. You attract them, right? And then you build relationships, you add value and then you have opportunities. Like, for example, I I don't know if you heard of stamps.com. I, we just got a, a brand sponsorship with them. So stuff like that, opportunities just to start flowing in because you're not really doing anything at that point because your name, people are sharing so much and they like your content that they find, you know, third removed, right? So they, it mm-hmm. somehow gets to these people that are looking for these, these brands that can help them grow. And then if you're doing a good job, they, they come to you. And that's just one aspect of it, right? So I'm glad that you enjoy it, you know? Dude, I love it. I, this, yeah, is what me kept me, this is what kept me from going crazy during COVID. You get to sit yeah, down me too. on Zoom. I started like, in 2020. <laughs> yeah, you know it, dude. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. So now I love yeah. it because I can do some in-person stuff. But, I mean, during COVID, yeah. um, I got to sit down with some of the most interesting people. Exactly. Yes. Like, most interesting people yes. in the world. And you're just jumping on the calls and you get to just like shoot the shit for an hour and just pick their brain. Yeah. And it's the best. Yeah. It's absolutely the best. So, yeah. and also that's, okay, the best. you want to learn a lesson from that. It's like, if you want to do something, you want to build anything, you're going to want to love it for a long time. So you better actually oh, love yeah. the thing you're doing because you have to fall in love with it. You have to fall in love with it. Cause you know, this, yeah. the fire is going to die. Yeah. Eventually that initial spark yeah. that got you out of bed for the first episode. Yeah. After the 200th, 300th, whatever episode, eventually it's going to start to waver a little bit. So you better enjoy that shit or it's going to be difficult to maintain. I mean, you've done it, man. I love it. I love it. I love love, uh, fellow creators because like we all think the same way. Hands down, we all think the same way. I mean, all you want to do is you want to give back. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Like whoever has a podcast, they have they have this nerve in them, or this this bug or something <laughs> that they just wanna they just wanna add value. Like they're just out there, just sharing their mind, you know, sharing their heart, sharing yeah. what they know. They just keep putting it out there, keep putting it out there, and a lot of them for a long time they're not ge- even generating an income. Like mm-hmm. it's. It's, it's, it's tough, but you see them, they're like excited. They're like with passion. So there's something about podcasting. If, if you go in, like you said, if you go in for the wrong reasons, for example, you have to kind of condition yourself to actually fall in love with it. If you don't, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, you might fall off of it or you come in with the full passion. You're absolutely in love with it. I feel like, you know, these, once you fall in love with it, you're going to do it for as long as you live. You like, do it, you don't feel do like it till the day you die. Like, I have no need to ever <laughs> yeah, stop me this. Too. And I think that also, like, I, I would even say that the 
the requirement to fall in love with what you're doing is actually something that you have to take into any business because any business you build is not going to be easy. Like it doesn't matter if you're selling a product or you're doing consulting or you, you're a developer, you built some awesome SaaS product that you want to take to market. Like it's going to take some time for it to build some traction. Mm. Very rarely Mm. does something work and hit day one. So knowing Mm. that you have to love it and eventually you'll love it more when it starts making a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but You have to love it till it starts to make money. And I would actually, yeah. I, I've said this a thousand times before, I would argue that if you stick with something for a long period of time, so between five to 10 years, and you have a feedback loop where you understand what's working and what's not, and you learn from your mistakes and you iterate, it is impossible to fail. Even if the day mm-hmm. one thing is not the day five thing, is not the day 2000 thing, if you learn from it and you keep iterating and you keep basically improving, the thing you will create something that has value in the market. You will learn, yeah. but ultimately people mm. give up too soon or they don't listen to yeah. feedback or they don't, or they're too stubborn. But ultimately you stick with something long enough. This podcast, if you did this podcast for 10 years and you looked at which questions got the best interview and you understood how to market and you understood how to grow your reach by 10% month over month or whatever that is. And you were, you know, AB testing and testing this mm. and testing that. Over the course of 10 years, you'd have a show that probably does a couple million downloads and would be minimum top 50 because most people don't last Mm. that long. Most people Mm. give up way before that. And most people also don't. It's very rare that you see somebody that's been doing it for five to 10 years that has taken no feedback and is in the same spot as where they started. It's almost unheard of. Yeah, it's true. And Scott, one thing, you know, uh, I would like to add to that is as a foundation, I feel well, I know mindset, right? Like, what is your belief system? You know, the BS system within. What is your faith? You know, what are you, what do you, what do you, do, do you have an inner, like, are you working on your inner world? Are you self-aware, right? Like all these things has a huge impact on persistence and, and consistency and all the things that you're saying. It, it comes from, a, from your soul. It comes from a mm-hmm. deep place out into your business, you know? So I just wanted to add that as well. Interesting. So my, let yeah. me think about, so I am very self-aware. Yeah. I think that I'm self-aware on a variety uh, on a variety of different levels. So I'm I'm self-aware of the things, my own fallacies that I have to fix, my own strengths and weaknesses incredibly yeah. and I think that that's something that I'm constantly working to improve and it's not easy, but at least I'm aware of the things that are not working or not working 100%. And I think that also self-awareness can be understanding what works at this point in your life may not work at the next stage in your life. And I'm also cognizant of that. So what I mean by that is, um, and and what I I was alluding to is I'm self-aware as to my personality traits, but I'm also self-aware as to how I operate on a day-to-day. So almost like at a micro and macro level. So I would say macro is more personality. Micro is more self-awareness as to uh, the habits that you keep and the food that you eat and the energy that you maintain throughout the day. I think self-awareness at that scale is very important, but also the macro self-awareness as to what habits am I deploying every single day? How much do I work? What's important to me? What um, what do I hold dear to myself, to my, you know, in my heart? And will that have to change over time? Yes, it will. I mean, I think that I'm, I'm more selfish you on my business right now. Yeah, you have to, because I know that I, I don't have kids yet. And I know that the attitude that I approach life right now will not work with kids. But I'm aware of that. I know that right now I'm going, 
2000% on everything that I'm building. But when I have kids, I have to take my foot off the pedal and focus on family. And, and that to me yeah. is very important. So I think that understanding how a person and a human can evolve is fine because I don't think anybody is ever stuck as the version that they are at right now, as long as they know that when they take something new on, they can adapt to that situation and learn and grow. So yeah. I, I, I know that's a little bit airy fairy, mostly because I don't speak about it a lot. So I'm not really succinct with my words on, on no how worries. I'm self-aware, but I do know that mm -hmm. as humans, um, it's okay to be obsessed about things at certain points. But I think that that obsession, uh, if you want other things in your life, you have to eventually uh, maybe uh, be okay with letting some of the things that you are, you are currently working on go, meaning you can't be working you know, 12, 12, 14, 16 hour days if you're trying to raise a good family. And I think what people miss is when they try and add new things into their life um, and just assume because they're, they think they're a superhuman that nothing else has to give. And that's when you see broken relationships and broken families and burnout and stress and heart attacks. So I think that being aware of life is always about balance. So I think that you have to know where you want to go with it, but then ultimately be okay with giving a few things up or yeah, give, giving a few things up so that you can accomplish yeah, the next stage good. of your life. I think that's very important. No, excellent. So said, well, well said, Scott. Um, my next question is, what do you feel your innermost superpower is that got you to this point? Um, I think my innermost superpower is my, uh, for some reason, I feel like I can learn anything if I put enough thought and energy um, and focus on it, which there's a little bit of ego behind that because that's a pretty crazy thing. To confidence, think. confidence. Yeah, I would say confidence, ability. But but, yeah. but then you actually do the thing, and I think that what what has uh, sort of shocked me over my career is when I commit, when I really commit, like a few months of learning a particular thing, like I can operate at a level doing that thing at a at a very competitive level. So not just with um, business, even with athletics and whatnot, like I feel like, I feel like the barrier to entry, yes, there's a significant barrier to entry to be the top 1%, but to be the top 20%, I feel like there's not a significant barrier to entry. I feel like when anybody gives committed effort to learning a new skill or a new task, we're not talking about like your brain surgery here, but we're talking about things that can significantly impact your ability to make more money or to uh, live a, a better life or to be, you know, uh, uh, more athletic or whatever that thing is. If you commit a significant portion of your, of your life to learning that thing and, and you, and you stay focused on that particular task, it's incredible at how, uh, how competent you'll become at that particular thing. And I think that wow. that attitude allows me to learn new things, adopt them into my persona. And then not only can I execute them myself, but then I can also, build a better circle around me because now I can hire people and I know that they're good at that thing because I've learned a significant amount of that thing. So I think that people underestimate themselves significantly. I think people underestimate their own ability to learn something new. And I feel that people become not complacent, but scared sometimes to go down a, a, a new road or a new path that they've never gone down before. I think that's my superpower because I, I'm never scared of trying something new and learning something that's new. That's good. So Excellent. I think that's been hugely helpful in my career. I love the explanation too. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, Scott, 
It's been a pleasure having you on the show, my friend. Likewise, uh, great man. Thank stuff you. you're doing. Yeah, no problem, my friend. No problem. I hope we can keep in touch. Uh, if you have yeah. anything that you wanted to announce, uh, we could do like Instagram Live or something. Um, anywhere I can help. Um, I'm down you know, to do an Instagram it's, it's Live. Great. I'll do whatever you want, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great. I'm all about Plus, creating content. <laughs> That's awesome. It's great to to see what you're doing and a fellow podcaster, you know, and, and growing companies, helping them grow and then eventually taking that product that it helps many, 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 many families bring food on their table uh, because of this innovation. So I wish you guys all the success. If you have any final words for the audience, please go ahead. No, I'm just I appreciate you a lot. I mean, um, thank you. You know what I'm working on? You, you sort of, un, uh, what I love about your interview style, and this is a great podcast lesson, is when you can get the guest to answer questions in real time that they didn't even know the answer to, right? And you make them think yeah. of complex problems. I think that's a very good, yeah. way, it's a, uh, that's an attribute of an excellent interviewer and a, an excellent podcast. Oh, thank you so, so much. That's all I got, man. Yeah. If you want to learn more about me, oh. you, can, you can go to com. all the socials at scottdclary. That's pretty much it. Nothing to sell. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, all the, yeah, no problem, Scott. That's, I was so, so grateful uh, to hear what you just said. And I appreciate that. We keep everything organic, you know, as, as much as possible. Um, we don't try to kind of put anyone on the spot either, like to make it any kind of difficult question, but it's just free flowing. And in those conversations, we found that a lot of gold comes out. And mm-hmm. apparently like nowadays, it looks like everyone is, 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 is hungry for, for real. You know, everyone wants the, the real talk, just casual, calm, relax, you know, and that's what we're trying to do here. And, and you, being a guest the way you are is a big, big benefit to all that, right? Because, you know, you're, you're, you're able to have that interaction, which is, which is amazing. You're a great guest. And if I have any other shows, um, that are looking for guests, I'll definitely give them your 100%. name as and well. We'll do a live one day too. And I'm down with that. All right, cool. And, um, audience, love you guys. Thank you so much for engaging, showing your love, the comments, the reviews, uh, on the social media. You know, get in touch with Scott here. All his information will be in the show notes and, you know, keep going. Bring some calmness in your life, calm the mind, um, work on the internal world because that's the fuel. That's the foundation. You got to fix that mindset before you go and try to grow anything. You know, you need that solid foundation so you can handle what's going on out here. Um, Again, thank you. And Scott, thank you very much. My pleasure, friend. Have a good one. (laughs) You too.